Welcome to Grace Church. It's so great to have you tuning in with us again online. And, uh, you know, I think it would be good just to take a moment. I know you're at home in your PJs, you're sipping on some coffee, you're all relaxed. Um, but why don't you stand up with me and let's just do like five jumping jacks. I think that would be a good idea just to get the blood pumping. I got a, uh, a sermon for you that uh, the Lord has given me, and it's going to speak to you this morning, and it's going to encourage you. So let's do five jumping jacks together, all right? Everybody with me, all right? Stand up, five jumping jacks. Uh, here we go. Ready? One, two, three, four, five. Woo! All right. I need some oxygen. Somebody, please. All right. Um, we are continuing our series. You can go ahead and sit back down, sip on your coffee, Okay. We are continuing our series called the Family Crisis Kit, and uh, we are going to pull another tool out of our kit that uh, um, is really going to bless us, and it's really going to encourage us to go forward in our faith with with no fear. And so we're going to get right to it this morning. I'm going to grab the kit, and you know, actually, um, I actually had the computer help me with uh, my artwork this morning, but... uh, yeah, the, the tool that we're going to talk about today is this. This is a tool that you need in your family crisis kit, and that is the ability, the willingness, and even the humility to make a U-turn. All of us need to have this in our toolkit. We need to be able to make a U-turn because the reality is we face temptation Um, we're going to struggle with sin. We're going to make mistakes. We're not going to do everything right. And it's important for you to know this. It's important for all of us to remember that failure does not have to define you. Your, Your mistakes in the past don't have to own your future. You don't have to carry your mistakes into your future. We need to be humble enough and willing to make a U-turn when we know we're going down the wrong path. Let me, let me ask you this morning, how fulfilled are you? Like how happy are you with the direction of your life? You're looking at your life, you're considering your life as you move forward into the future. Like how happy are you with the direction, the course of your life? How fulfilled are you? How fulfilled are you with the direction of your career or the direction of your marriage or the direction of your home, your family? Are you excited about the future of your family and and the path that your children are on and the path that your marriage is on? Are you excited about it? Or are you looking at your future with a lot of dread and, and hopelessness? You know, this is a big question, but I think sometimes it leads to even bigger questions like, how fulfilled should we be, or um, how fulfilled could we be, or what truly matters in this life? Sometimes it'll lead us to the bigger question of, what is the purpose of my life? Today we're going to look at some of the internal thoughts from a guy named Solomon. Now Solomon is a biblical figure He was the son of David. David was a mighty warrior, and David was the king of Israel, and Solomon ended up becoming the king of Israel. And it's said that Solomon was the wisest man to have ever lived. 
People would travel from all over the world to just sit at the feet of Solomon and to listen to his wisdom. God gave him a special gift of wisdom, and he was the wisest man to ever live, and people were just hungry to hear from Solomon. But his reflections, um, some of his internal thoughts that we're going to read today, they are very bold, they're raw. He writes about being fulfilled in life. He He writes about the meaning of life. His writings always address real-life situations. I mean, one of my favorite sections in the Scriptures, one of my favorite uh, books in the Bible is the book of Proverbs because it's so practical. It's so real-life. And, and uh, that's what Solomon was all about. He was writing in a way that we could really grab a hold of it and use it in our everyday life. I think some of you this morning, you're going to be shocked at some of the things that Solomon says You're going to be even surprised that these things are in the Bible. Some of you might even be offended at some of the things that Solomon says. Today, we're going to look at his writings in the Old Testament in a letter that he wrote called Ecclesiastes. It's smack dab in the middle of your Bible. It's 12 chapters long, and Solomon talks about what's important in this life and what doesn't matter at all in this life. Um, He talks about what will bring you true fulfillment, what will bring great purpose to your life. And he talks about what will leave you empty and what will leave you feeling like all you're doing is chasing after the wind. I I know this about you, okay? I know this about you. None of us want to live our lives um, feeling like we're chasing after something we can't ever get a hold of. None of us want to live that way. And Solomon talks about that. In Ecclesiastes. And so from the very beginning of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says some shocking things. And I want us to begin in verse 2 of Ecclesiastes chapter 1. He starts out by this. This is the beginning of Ecclesiastes. He says, everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Okay, most likely Solomon is referring to himself as the teacher. But he says, everything is meaningless, completely meaningless. Now, that's a heck of a way to start a letter, okay? Hey, everybody, everything is completely meaningless, all right? Let's close in prayer, and we're going to be dismissed. You know, that, that would not be a great way to, um, uh, to start out a letter. It's not very motivating. It's not very inspiring. But Solomon doesn't stop there. In the first two chapters of Ecclesiastes, he builds a very strong case to support this idea that everything is meaningless. And to mess with our minds a little bit, in verse 4 of chapter 1, Solomon says, a generation, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Solomon says, you know, you may think that your life is so important. You may think that your life has so much meaning. Why is it then that you're going to live to be 70 or 80 and you're going to die But the stars and the rivers and the oceans and the mountains, they last forever. Solomon says, your lawn is going to outlive you. Later, the the teacher talks about uh, taking all kinds of different paths to find fulfillment in life and to find the meaning of life. Um, He begins to search out, like, what is the purpose? What is the meaning? And so I'm going to try these different avenues, these different paths to find fulfillment in life, And in his search, he decides to turn to the accumulation of knowledge. Look at verses 13 and 14 of Ecclesiastes chapter 1. He said, I devoted myself to search for understanding. 
and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven, I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. I observed everything going on under the sun, and really, it is all meaningless, like chasing the wind. Now, this is nothing new. I mean, people chase after the accumulation of knowledge all the time. I mean, they they try to gain more and more knowledge, thinking that knowledge is going to bring fulfillment or that knowledge is going to bring satisfaction. And so uh, what Paul is saying is that, um, you know, a lot of people have their hope, they have their foundation on knowledge or the accumulation of knowledge. They get more degrees, they get more credentials, they get more initials, you know, before and after their name. And Solomon says, listen, listen, I went as far down the knowledge road as any human could go. And after that journey, after uh, Solomon accumulated really all the knowledge that he could, this is what he concludes. Look at verse 18. He said, the greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. So no matter how far you travel down the the academia road, it doesn't fulfill. Some of the most unhappy, distrustful, miserable people that I personally have ever known are those who thought one more book, you know, one more discovery, one more degree, just a little bit of knowledge. And they just seemed like they were never satisfied. They were never fulfilled. And when they got to the end of that knowledge road, they were miserable. It didn't fulfill. It didn't satisfy. Satisfy. It just brought more grief. It brought more sorrow. Now, I do have to say, young people, listen, um, you need to stay in school, all right? I know some of you are going to go to this verse in Ecclesiastes. You're going to go to your mom and dad, and you're going to say, see, I need to not do school anymore, all right? But stay in school. Knowledge is good. But what Solomon is saying is that knowledge is not the only thing. Knowledge should not be your foundation. It's not the foundation to build your faith on. As we move into chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, things get a lot more exciting, you could say, because Solomon changes his pursuit. He changes his path or his course. He said, okay, knowledge didn't satisfy, so I'm going to try something different. And after traveling down the path of knowledge, Solomon ends up turning to the path of pleasure. He goes full steam down the path of pleasure. Look at verses three, verse three of chapter two. He said, after much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. Now here's a question for you. How much alcohol do you have to drink to make the pain go away? Or how much wine do you have to drink to fill the emptiness of your heart? How much alcohol do you have to drink to, uh, you know, to make um, the hopelessness disappear? You know what the answer is? You can't drink enough to satisfy an empty soul. So academia couldn't do it. Jose Cuervo couldn't do it. And so Solomon recovers from his massive hangover. He's going down the path of pleasure and He says, okay, I'm going to try a different path. And he turns to material wealth. Maybe the accumulation of material wealth will bring fulfillment. Maybe it will fill the void 
of my heart. Maybe it will bring fulfillment or the satisfaction that I'm looking for. Look at verses 4 through 8. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes. Okay, He said not just a home, but homes, plural. He built huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. Okay, I think he wanted to keep drinking wine. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women. He needed them to take care of all the things that he had built, the houses and the gardens and such. And so he, he bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned large herds and flocks more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. So you need to know in this day, if you had big herds or you had big flocks, that was a sign of how rich or how powerful you were. So people would see all the land that you had. They would see your big herds and all the animals that you owned. And they would say, wow, like that guy is really successful. It goes on to say, I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired, or other translations actually use the word bought. I bought wonderful singers, both men and women. So if you could imagine with me for just a moment, instead of Solomon going to a concert, he actually bought the concert. Okay, The best music of his day was played live any time that he wanted. So he bought or he hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and he had many beautiful concubines. And I had everything a man could desire. So Solomon had the finest of everything that you could imagine. He he went to the finest schools. He drank the finest wine. He lived in the finest houses. He listened to the finest music. He ate the best food. He had the finest women. And verse 10 makes it very clear. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. So Solomon had massive accumulation of wealth, um, unbridled pleasure, the best that this world has to offer. Man, that's got to fill the void of his soul, right? That's got to bring some sort of satisfaction to the hopelessness or to the emptiness of his soul. Surely, all that stuff is going to fill some sort of a void in his life. I mean, this is the American dream, right? Working and striving and climbing the ladder of success so that I can have all this stuff, all this good stuff, the good pleasures of life. I mean, isn't that what life is all about? Listen, Solomon had it all, but I want you to listen to his own words, okay? I'm going to have him tell you in his own words what it all meant to him. Look at verse 11. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. Now listen, let's let's be honest. How many of us have fallen into this same trap 
How many of us have, have chased down uh, knowledge or chased down pleasure? Or, you know, we've chased all these different paths, trying to build our life foundation upon these, uh, these paths that are really not going to satisfy. And it's so easy to fall into this trap thinking, if I just had a bigger house, if I could just make a little bit more money, or if I could just get that degree, um, I mean, surely a different spouse, you know, would make me happy. If I could just fit into those jeans again, you know, especially after this COVID-19 stuff, all right? Man, that would make me complete. Um, if, I could, if I could just work a little bit more or strive and climb and get to the top. You know, it's to my regret that I have to confess that I struggled with this way of thinking in my own life. Trisha and I had only been married for a couple years and I had recently graduated from college and I had been in ministry for a couple years and um, in my heart, I had this yearning for more. You see, I, I grew up in a pastor's home and kind of my experience was looking at, you know, pastors was, man, they, they were all poor, okay? Uh, they, they didn't um, have any money. It just seemed like they didn't have really much material possession. And I got to this point where I was like, I don't want that. I don't want to be poor. Like, I, I want to, to have things. I want to be able to, to travel. I want to do this. I want to do that. I wanted more. I wanted to make a lot of money. I didn't want to be poor. So in August of 2003, I actually decided to go back to school. We moved to Ohio, and I wanted to learn everything I could about business. And so I started taking courses in business and classes in business and um, I was in school, and so I started working a job in the restaurant world to, to pay for my schooling, and I actually started doing well for myself in that um, restaurant world. I started to climb the ladder of success, you could say. I made good money. I had good benefits, um, and I was actually offered um, to, to have more, to, to climb the ladder in that organization that I was working for. But there was something inside of me that was unsatisfied. I was unsettled. I was unfulfilled. I can remember that time. I mean, Trisha and I had some of our probably biggest arguments during that time. You know, we, 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 we had some uh, relational struggles in our marriage because there was something in me that was unsettled, that was unsatisfied. There was a void in me. And I looked to this experience for me to, to realize that more is never going to be enough. And listen, the level of discontent that I experienced eventually opened up my eyes to the understanding of who God really was. I began to see that God had a great plan for my life. And it was then that God placed this overwhelming burden on my heart for La Plata County and uh, so much so that Trisha even recognized it and we both decided together that we were going to move back to Durango and then I was going to um, get plugged back into ministry and, and really pursue the calling of God in my life. It was in August of 2004, exactly one year later, I made the life-changing decision to follow the, God, the call of God on my life. We literally made a U-turn. We literally made a U-turn and we came back to this area we packed up, we moved back to Colorado, and here I am to this day, and I'm currently 
trying to walk out the calling of God in my life. Listen, we all have those moments, those times in our lives where we want more or we're not satisfied. We're not content. And like Solomon, we begin to chase after the wrong things. We begin to chase after knowledge or chase after wealth. We begin to chase after pleasure or fame or power. Listen, if if Solomon were here this morning and he were talking, he would say, don't waste your time. Don't waste your life. It will leave you empty. It will leave you feeling like all you're doing is chasing after the wind. You'll never be able to get a hold of it. I do want to take just a moment, though. I want to clarify some things to make sure that we're all on the same page. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17, remember Timothy, we talked about him in this series. He tells us that our trust should be in God who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. So I want to make sure that I'm very clear on this because I think a lot of Christians have a poverty mindset. They feel like they can't enjoy anything in this world, and that is just simply not true. Christianity is not anti-pleasure or anti-stuff. Some of the greatest celebrations, some of the greatest festivals the world has ever seen were mandated by God. Like God said, hey, I want this to happen. I want this celebration or this festival to take place. Some of the greatest parties are recorded in the pages of Scripture. Like God gives us good things to enjoy. But the question is, is does that pleasure or does that wealth, does that pursuit of knowledge, does it control us? Does it control you? Are you in love with stuff or are you in love with God? Would you be able to part ways with all of your stuff if God told you to do so? I think of the parable of the rich man. There's a story in the New Testament where God said, I want you to leave all your riches and follow me. And it says the rich man turned away and he was heartbroken because he was in love with his stuff. He really wasn't in love with God. Once again, Christianity is not anti-pleasure or anti-stuff. Our goal is to use pleasure or to use the stuff for God's glory, for his kingdom. Listen, as followers of Jesus Christ, we don't love money. We use money and we love people. That's the way it should work. Look at what Solomon says in verse 17 of chapter 2. He said, So I came to hate life because everything done here under the sun is so troubling. Everything is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Gosh, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that where you're like, man... I feel like all this striving, I don't know if it's worth it. You know, I think in our own community, I think a lot of people have questioned that. A lot of people have get to, they get to this place of hopelessness or despair. I want you to know there's a man in the scripture named Solomon who can relate with you. He said, everything is meaningless, like chasing the wind. I came to hate all of my hard work here on earth for I must leave others everything I have earned. And who can tell whether my successors will be wise or foolish? And yet they will control everything I have gained by my skill and hard work under the sun. How meaningless. He says, man, I'm going to build this business and then I'm going to die and someone else is going to take over and they may not be as passionate as I was. Like, it, it doesn't make sense in Solomon's brain. 
He goes on to say, so I gave up in despair questioning the value of all my hard work in this world. Some people work wisely with knowledge and skill then must leave the fruit of their efforts to someone who hasn't worked for it. This too is meaningless, a great tragedy. So what do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. It is all meaningless. I think at this moment in the story, I think Solomon needs a hug, right? (laughs) I mean, he's just like in in this pit of despair. Solomon is saying, man, I, I work hard to build this successful business from the ground up. And when I die, it could go away like that. Just boom, it could be gone. I mean, what's the point? Why work so hard for something that could disappear so quickly? On top of that, I'll hand all of my life's work to someone who didn't have to earn it, who didn't have to put in all the blood, sweat, and tears like I did. He said, this makes no sense. This is a tragedy. So I go back to the question of what is the foundation of your life? Businesses, companies, nations, empires, kingdoms, they will all come and go. I want to encourage you this morning, be careful what you build your life on. Make sure your life is on the right foundation. You don't want to get to the end of your life and have nothing but regret and heartache. And listen, we all know this, we we only get one life, so don't waste it chasing after stuff That's just going to vanish. I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You can't take it with you. Okay, it's going to vanish. It's going to disappear. So don't chase after the meaningless stuff. Let's see how Solomon concludes his writings by looking at verse 13 of chapter 12. He said, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. All right, after all these paths that he's traveled, He says, here's my conclusion. Here's like um, what I can summarize my life experience and what I've learned. This is what I've learned. He says, I've learned that the best thing that you should chase after, what you should build your life on is this, fear God. Fear God means to respect him or to accept his love, to accept his grace. Fear God and obey his commandments. Follow Jesus, do what he teaches For this is everyone's duty. This is the only thing that will truly satisfy. This is the only thing that will truly bring uh, satisfaction to your soul. Listen, friends, it's it's not too late to make a U-turn. It's not too late. You can make a U-turn and you can go uh, on the path maybe that was full of destruction and heartache. You can turn around and you can get back on the right path. And listen, in my experience as a pastor, and I've been in ministry for well over 20 years now, in my experience as pastor, there's really only two things that people talk about at the end of their life. If you were uh, looking at them on their deathbed, I've really heard people talk about only two things. They talk about their family, and they talk about whether or not they're right with God. In their final words, I've never had someone say, Pastor Justin, can you go to the bank and get out all of my money so I could just hug it one more time? So I could just smell that money one more time? I've never had anybody tell me that. 
I've never had someone say on their deathbed, man, Pastor Justin, I just got to work one more day. I just, I, I just got to do a little bit more. I got to, um, if I could just put in a few more hours. Listen, on your last day, you're going to want your family around you. Are you investing in your family? Are you investing in your marriage? Are you investing in your children? Do you need to make some wrongs right with your family? Do you need to make a U-turn when it comes to how you view your family? Not only do you want to be reconciled with your family, but you're going to want to be reconciled with God. With all the distractions that come in this life, and my gosh, there have been a lot of them, especially in 2020. But with all the distractions that come in life, all the roads that can lead to a meaningless life, um, the road that you're going to want to be on, the path that you're going to want to be on is the path that leads to Jesus. Listen, Jesus is the only one that can fill the void of your heart. He's the only one that can truly bring satisfaction. The road to Jesus is the only road that will truly satisfy. And on that road, you're going to be secure. On that road, you're going to have a hope that passes understanding. And on that path, you're going to be fulfilled. Listen, life is not meaningless on the path to Jesus Christ. That path is full of purpose. That path is full of hope. That that path is full of meaning. And you need to be on that path. If you're on the wrong road, if you're chasing everything but Jesus, once again, I want to encourage you to make it U-turn. It's not too late. Listen, it's so easy to veer off the right path. It's so easy to be distracted by things that are good, but man, it's not really great for your soul. You can, uh, I want you to know, gaining knowledge is not bad. Finding the right job is not bad. Having nice stuff is not bad. But if you find that your purpose is consumed with those things, then you're trying to build your life foundation on those things. That foundation will crumble. That's the warning to you today. That's that's what Solomon is trying to communicate to all of us. Our foundation will crumble if our foundation is built on anything but Jesus Christ. You'll end up in a place of despair if you're not built on Jesus. You'll end up in a place of hopelessness. Those things, those paths other than Jesus, they do not bring fulfillment. Are you investing in your family? Are you reconciled with God? Listen, it's time to make a U-turn.
simpler times Before all our scars and all our secrets were in the light Now on this hallowed ground we've drawn the battle lines Will we make it through the night? It's gonna take much more And promises this time Only God can change our minds Maybe you and I were never meant to be complete Could we just be broken together? If you can bring your shattered dreams And I'll bring mine Can healing still be spoken? I love that video. It takes me back to week one of this series where we talked about there are no perfect families. 
You know, there are no perfect families. There are no perfect marriages. The reality is, is we're all broken. And we're just going to have to learn how to be broken together. You know, and we're talking about U-turn today. And I think some of us might have to have multiple (laughs) U-turns. We might have to pull that tool out of our family crisis kit often. But the reality is, is we serve a God who will forgive. We serve a God who loves and will redeem And I want to encourage you, if you have chosen the wrong path, if you are on the wrong path right now, in this moment, decide, make the decision to turn back to Jesus Christ, to turn back to faith, to repent of your sins, to turn away from your sins and turn back to Jesus Christ. And you'll be so glad you did. And only Jesus can bring true fulfillment. I'm going to close in prayer and then, We're going to sing a great song called Reckless Love, just reminding us once again about the awesomeness of our God. If you would pray with me, Father God, I pray for those who are making the decision right now to make a U-turn in their life. I pray a blessing over them. I ask that you would reveal yourself to them in ways that they've never experienced, that they would have a personal encounter with you, Jesus. Right now, in this moment, they would feel the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray they would feel your presence and your love. They would know that you're for them, you're not against them. And they would know that the Jesus path, the road to Jesus is truly the only way that will bring fulfillment. Thank you for the example of Solomon. Thank you for giving it it to us straight. I mean, some of those verses, I know for me personally, it was just hard to read just reading about a man who was experiencing such despair and hopelessness. But we know there's people all around us that are experiencing those things. Lord, help us to know that we don't have to waste our lives. We don't have to make the same mistakes that Solomon did. Lord, help us to make a U-turn and turn back to you. Father, we love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.